Kansas City is in the middle of a housing crisis. Quite frankly, the rent is too damn high and our people are getting priced out. But it doesn't have to be this way. Question two on November's ballot will ask us to pass a $50 million bond to fund housing Kansas Cityans can actually afford. And it won't increase taxes by a dime. Vote yes on question two to invest $50 million for truly affordable housing for our people, our neighborhoods, and our future. Paid for by KC Tenants Power. Hello, pumpkin. Hello, pumpkin. It's a big day for us today. Uh, what do you want to do today? You want to smash some pumpkins? No. Why not? It's National Pumpkin Day. Pumpkins everywhere. You love pumpkin? I love pumpkins. Pumpkins. Pumpkins would be great. It's like a pregame celebration for Halloween. It's National Pumpkin Day. Ready, pumpkin? Showtime. today i will keep this brief a happy hump day baby to the kc morning hoes on the show today we're gonna play back last night's kansas third congressional district debate say that 10 times fast between representative sharice davids and businesswoman i think i forget her credentials amanda atkins she's running for a second time against representative sharice davids sharice has been on this show a few different times i'm a fan election day less than two weeks away november 8th go vote got to vote kansas city I mean, both sides of the state line. And I have seen many debates from Representative Sharice Davids. I have seen many. In fact, I wasn't even sure we would play this until I watched the debate. She was exceptional. And Amanda Atkins, I'm just going to be real with you. That woman, that woman's bad shit, y'all. So rate, review, subscribe, do that thing you do, Kansas City. I love you. It is a good day to be a Kansas City and absolutely back in your feeds tomorrow. We'll see you in the morning. Bye. Yeah, when it's grim, be the grim reaper. Go get it. The KC Morning Show. Welcome you to this very special edition of Four Star Politics, the Kansas 3rd Congressional District Debate. I'm John Holt, joined by my Fox 4 co-anchor, Christelle Bell, as well as Kansas City Star editorial board member and Four Star Politics co-host, Dave Helling. Good to have both of you alongside. And tonight we're joined by Democrat incumbent Congresswoman Sharice Davids. She's seeking her third term in Congress after defeating incumbent Republican Kevin Yoder in 2018. And our next candidate, in 2020, that candidate, Amanda Atkins, a businesswoman and former chair of the Kansas Republican Party from 2009 to 2013. This race marks, in effect, a rematch from two years ago. And we welcome both of you to Four Star Politics and our Fox 4 studios. Now, a quick rundown of tonight's agreed to rules. A coin flip with the campaign yesterday was won by Ms. Atkins. She chose to take the first question. Ms. Davids then chose to give the final closing statement. Each candidate will have 60 seconds to answer our questions, which have not been reviewed by the candidates. The lead-off candidate will have 30 seconds then to answer a follow-up or rebuttal, and if needed, 
15 seconds extra to clarify on the question at the discretion of the questioner. Our timekeeper will sound a bell to indicate time's up. <laughs> Nicely done over there, Rachel. The debate will last about 57 minutes, including 30-second closing statements by each candidate. Let's get started. Christelle will lead us off with question number one for Amanda Atkins. Absolutely. So we want to talk about economy and inflation. But starting off, we're all paying more everywhere from the grocery store to the gas pump. Many hardworking Americans are trying to provide for themselves and their families. However, many are still struggling to make their dollars stretch and meet basic needs. What's your plan to solve inflation and what is Congress's role in this? Well, Christelle, I have said to voters this entire election cycle, I've asked one question, and that is, are you better off today? And as you noted, the number one issue this election cycle is inflation. Here in the third congressional district, the inflation rate, it hits an average household at roughly about $8,700 per year. By the way, that's a lot of money. And people especially feel it when they go to the grocery store because eggs are double the price that they were a year ago. So we've gone from record levels of inflation to now the Federal Reserve raising interest rates to we're, we're entering a recession in this country. My plan is follows. Sharice Davids has voted for reckless spending inclusive of the American Rescue Plan which left-wing economists said would directly contribute to inflation and it did. We need to roll back some of the reckless spending. We need to move towards reducing the deficit in this country and we need to get back to a balanced budget. That is my commitment. I am a businesswoman. I know how to get things done and I know how to grow the economy. Sharice? Yeah, thank you so much. Um, look, my mom raised me and my brothers by herself and uh, I know that the anxiety of not being sure if you're going to be able to feed your kids or fill up your gas tank to get to work is uh, that anxiety is real it, it's why I've focused on concrete solutions like pushing uh, the president to finally uh, uh, consider a federal gas tax that would save folks 18 cents a gallon at the pump uh, to making sure that we're boosting domestic manufacturing, unsticking our supply chains by investing in infrastructure. Uh, we need to be less dependent on countries like China when it comes to this. And frankly, my opponent really doesn't have the credibility on this issue. You know, she was right there alongside Sam Brownback as they were, uh, you know, pushing this disastrous tax experiment. Our state went was facing bankruptcy, our credit was downgraded. That is not the kind of approach that we need uh, on our behalf in Washington, D.C. Ms. Davids, I would just share uh, for those who are listening, uh, I worked at Cerner Corporation. Ms. Davids is decept deceptive. She knows all too well that I was building business at Cerner, specifically our disease management business, for the better part of the last 15 plus years. In addition, I was never a state legislature, ever in the state legislature legislature. I also never had any control over the budget. Ms. Davids, on the other hand, has voted for policies that have resulted in record levels of inflation. And in addition to that, she has no plan. She has no real plan. She has voted for all of Biden's policies, including no energy security. Dave? Congresswoman uh, uh, Davids, uh, Ms. Adkins just mentioned the American Relief Plan, which did pass. There were actually three COVID bills, as you know, the CARES Act, which was signed by President Trump, the Tax Relief Act, which was also signed by President Trump, and then the American Rescue Plan. And the total cost of those were $5 trillion, as you may recall, including, by the way, payments to individuals, stimulus checks, remember those? 
in the CARES Act in, in December of 2020 and then in, uh, the American Rescue Plan. All of that pretty inflationary. Do you regret those votes? Uh, and if so, why? And then, Ms. Atkins, would you have voted against any of those bills? And if so, why? Well, thanks, Dave. Uh, look, this has been a really hard time. And I'm proud of doing the work in a bipartisan way, particularly during the hardest, darkest days of the pandemic, when thousands of people were dying every single day in our country, when small businesses were concerned about whether they were gonna be able to keep their doors open, keep folks on payroll. It's why we, we pushed forward and got the Paycheck Protection Program out there for our small businesses. It's why I was glad that we were able to bring a vaccine to market so quickly. And that did start under the previous administration and continued in this administration. You can't have a healthy economy without healthy people. And look, there's lots of work to be done. I am focused on increasing domestic manufacturing, on investing in our infrastructure, and I'm absolutely sure that my opponent would not have voted in ways that got relief to our communities when we needed it the most. Well, Ms. Davids, uh, first of all, I think that most people would agree in the last election cycle during 2020, there were some steps that we needed to take to shore up this country. But the problem is we then moved into 2021. And Joe Biden, I knew when I made the decision to run that his policies would be a disaster for this economy. I would not have voted for the American Rescue Plan. And as I noted earlier, there is a simple reason for that. It is because people like Larry Summers said that all of that spending, ultimately all we would get is the dollar would be devalued and it would contribute to inflation in this country. And that's what's happened. Here in the third congressional district, a family is hit. They're paying an extra $8,700 for the same goods and services. And in addition to that, interest rates are going up. As I noted earlier, we're headed toward a recession. It is directly the result of Ms. David's votes. And by comparison to, I would have voted for the Tax Cut and Jobs Act in 2017. And the reason is we need tax policy in this country that is going to encourage work, investment, entrepreneurism. And that is what the Tax Cut and Jobs Act did. And I would absolutely vote to make those tax cuts permanent for the American people. 30 seconds, Congresswoman. Oh, thank you. Uh, look, I think what we just heard is my opponent saying that she would have voted for bills that were not even in front of the Congress uh, during my time. I have spent my entire time in Congress trying to make sure that we're getting the relief necessary during a public health crisis to keep people healthy, to keep people alive. I have also supported our small businesses as we tried to keep the, the doors open. And my opponent has uh, failed to demonstrate how she would have helped during that time. Let's stay with the economy and inflation in particular. And Dave touched on it, spending often discussed as a major culprit of inflation. We are sitting on a budget deficit of about a trillion dollars, federal debt of 30 trillion plus. It's been talked about in the past. Let's talk about it now. And that is a constitutional amendment to balance the budget. If you're Congresswoman Adkins, we'll begin with you. Would you vote? yes or no on a constitutional amendment that would balance, require a balanced budget? I absolutely would support a balanced budget amendment and for a simple reason. And I want people here in the third congressional district to hear me on this. You have to balance your budget at home and Congress too should balance its spending. 
By contrast, I can't believe Ms. Davis just said I was referencing bills that didn't happen during her tenure in Congress. The American Rescue Plan, she voted for it in spring of 2021, and I just want to go back to this. It was cited by economists that that vote would in fact go down in history as one of the worst decisions made by an administration. Uh, it's Joe Biden pushing, who she votes for 100% of the time, making decisions and pushing policies that are disastrous to this country. And again, I'm just going to call out the ultimate impact to people in this district. It's a hit of $8,700 for the same goods and services. You're talking about people who are worried about going to the grocery store, having to put food back, having to make tough decisions about energy in their home. Congresswoman Davids. Can you repeat the question? Sure. Would you support a balanced budget amendment? Oh, thank you. Uh, look, only one of us on this stage has voted for a bill that would not only make a $300 billion payment on our national debt, but is also bringing down the cost of prescription drugs for our seniors and allowing Medicare to negotiate prescription drug prices. I have spent my time in Congress trying to make sure that we are bringing down costs for everyday Kansans. And I know that the work is not done. And anybody who claims that they have uh, a plan but only spends their time criticizing the votes that I've taken uh, is, uh, I mean, you're just not the right fit for this district. And I don't believe that the, the policies that my opponent has supported over her time uh, supporting Sam Brownback and his disastrous tax experiment is going to be the right direction for this district. But would you, yes or no, constitutional amendment to balance the budget, yes or no? I, I think it's an extraordinary step to start trying to amend the Constitution every single time every single time that we don't agree with the direction a legislature is going. All right. Ms. Atkins, 30 Ms. Davids, you're either committed to a balanced budget or you're not. Um, I'm sharing with the people in this district that I am committed to a balanced budget, that I'm committed to reducing the deficit uh, in this country and for this district. I just want to call out again, the policies that you have supported because of the reckless spending have resulted in $8,700 in an extra inflation hit. I um, mean, just really quick, I do want to talk about prescription drugs, uh, primarily because I worked in healthcare for a long time. Uh, and I am absolutely for Medicare negotiating for top drugs, but we also have to protect innovation in this country. I think that's critically important. Life-saving drugs matter to Americans. Christelle. All right, we move to energy and climate at this time. Kansas is in the middle of a historic drought. Things are dry, which some believe is the result of climate change. Do you agree? And what should Congress and the federal government do, if anything, to guarantee that abundant quality water in the third district happens and all of Kansas. Sharice. Thank you. Uh, look, I know that a lot of folks here in this district, in our state, are absolutely concerned about climate change. It's why I was proud to vote in favor of, of the bipartisan infrastructure bill, which the U.S. Chamber called the most fiscally responsible in infrastructure investment in decades. And we invested, we are investing in resilient and sustainable infrastructure that's gonna set our kids up to not only have clean water, but also to have clean air. Look, at the end of the day, I think what we're gonna hear from my opponent is, uh, 
I'm, I'm happy to hear that she acknowledges that climate change is real. But at the end of the day, we have to be making investments in things like wind energy, which Kansas is absolutely uh, uh, best situated to take advantage of. And we need to be supporting uh, the move toward renewables. And, um, and we have to make sure that we're not so dependent on foreign oil. Ms. Amanda? Ms. Davids, this country right now does not have an energy security policy. I'll tell you what we do have, because I have talked with farmers who are dealing right now with very difficult margins and having a hard time making things uh, work. Uh, what we have is diesel cost because of our lack of an energy security plan. We're, two, we're at $2 extra per gallon in comparison to last year. By the way, that is feeding into the cost of goods and services and pretty much everything else in the supply chain. Of course, we need to protect water and our environment. We also need to focus on getting back to domestic oil and gas production in this country. We need to be energy independent. And in addition, and I wish that the Democratic Party would say this, the most important thing that we can do if we want to protect our environment is invest in nuclear capacity in this country. By the way, nuclear capacity, carbon-free, it is the cleanest energy, it, is, it generates electricity that's available 24-7, it can be paired with renewables, it's the best path, and by the way, other countries are moving ahead of us, the U.S. can do better. Again, do you agree with climate change? I think that climate change is very real, and my commitment to people in this district is that we, if we're going to take a big swing, need to focus on increasing nuclear capacity in this country, which France and now the UK are already moving forward on. We're behind. The United States is behind. Sharice, your rebuttal? Yeah, look, I, uh, I'm, I'm really disappointed that my opponent um, would have been a vote against the bipartisan infrastructure bill, which is the most uh, the most we've ever invested in sustainable and resilient infrastructure, which would not only help the farmers uh, because of uh, the broadband investments, which help with precision farming, which would save costs uh, when it comes to precision farming, but also to make sure that our our kids are set up for clean water and clean air. Dave. Amanda, you talked about farming and inflation. Let's deal with that for a minute. When um, Joe Biden took office, the price of a bushel of wheat was about $6.30, $6.40. It's up to about $9 a bushel now. Mm -hmm. Now that's showing up at the grocery store, but if you cure inflation as you talked about, the farmer is going to get less money for his or her crop because you have to bring down the price of wheat and the price of corn and the price of beef. How do you fix inflation and at the same time protect farmers who are getting more revenue now for the things they, they sell in the market? Dave, I'll tell you what I've heard from farmers directly, uh, farmers and ranchers, by the way. Uh, what they're really worried about, and this, this is where my comments as a businesswoman come into play, the problem is what is the cost of doing business today? So let's talk about that related to agriculture. First of all, as I mentioned earlier, one of the biggest problems we have is we don't have a solid energy security plan in this country. I mean, farmers, as I mentioned, are dealing with very high diesel prices right now, and 75% of farm equipment runs off of, off of diesel. So that just feeds into how expensive it is for them to, to produce a crop. Um, in addition to that, 
farmers tell me they're really worried about workforce. One of the things that I'm focused on is somebody who has hired a lot of people. I believe that we need to consider immigration as a workforce issue in this country, which I also know is very, very important to farmers. So I've heard that as well. Last thing that I would say, clearly fertilizer is a really big problem um, and our current global environment is fed. And I had one farmer tell me that his profit margin was down from 20 to 3% and a lot of it was due to fertilizer costs. Yeah, uh, just Sharice, again, if you bring down the cost of a bushel of wheat, that margin will shrink even more, won't it? And that's what inflation is about. Yeah, so uh, a couple of things. You know, there are a lot more uh, farmers and producers in the Kansas third uh, than, than there were uh, previously. So I've spent a lot of time going out and meeting with farmers and talking to producers. And uh, a couple of things. One, uh, I have supported uh, increasing biodiesel, which actually is something that a lot of the farmers and producers here um, are able to uh, make uh, make some make some money off of and then I also think that we have to make sure that we're uh, supporting uh, our farmers through uh, good policy my opponent just keeps uh, keeps talking about how the the policies that she has supported um, really are just I actually haven't heard any policies all I've heard is complaints about uh, about everything from uh, needing to increase access to energy, but no ways that she would actually do it. I have voted to help increase biodiesel, to help make sure that we're less dependent on foreign oil. Thanks, we need to hear from your opponent. Uh, Ms. Okay. Davids, uh, your comments are deceptive in the sense that all people have to do is go to my website, amandaadkins.com. I have policy proposals in a multitude of areas that are very detailed, um, starting with energy security is one example, which I've talked on, starting with cutting inflation in this country, uh, border security, uh, immigration is a workforce issue. I could go on and on. I'm bringing w more women into the workforce. All people have to do is, is go to my website and you'll see very detailed comments. Your website, by example, has absolutely nothing. You have no plans in any area. You just vote with Joe Biden 100% of the time. Let's talk can about I, Can I say something about these plans? 15 seconds. Okay, thank you. Um, actually, I would encourage folks, particularly our farmers, uh, to go to your, your website um, and, and check out the plan to literally eliminate the dairy programs. You know, and, and the legislative policies that she is supporting, there's a proposal in there to eliminate the dairy programs. And if you want to talk about supporting our farmers, eliminating the dairy programs is not Thank the way you. to do it. Ms. Atkins, I'll give you 15, 20 uh, seconds. I would just say that Ms. Davids has not been supported um, and endorsed by any ag groups. By comparison, I have directly been endorsed and supported by the National Cattlemen's Associ Association and the Kansas Livestock Association. And in addition to that, my family for 40 years has owned and operated a family farm. All right. Thank so you I both. have a pretty good perspective on it. Thank you both. Let's move on now to a topic that obviously has been a very divisive one, both in this campaign and nationwide, and that is the topic of abortion. I've got a question for both of you, but tailored separately, and we'll begin with you, uh, Congresswoman Davids, and that is this past week, President Biden suggested that if Democrats hold the House and take the Senate, he will make codifying Roe v. Wade a priority. Uh, do you agree with that federalizing of abortion law? And then, Ms. Adkins, I'll have a follow-up with you. Thank you. Look, when Roe was overturned, uh, folks were scared. I mean, I came home that day. People were 
having tons of anxiety here in Kansas we were watching our neighboring states were enacting these very extreme laws and uh, I have always said I am I'm, I'm pro-choice I have voted for the Women's Health Protection Act which would codify uh, access to um, access to the full range of reproductive health care services including abortion uh, and on this topic specifically we we, we can't trust my opponent. Look, in, uh, in so many instances, she has been so out of step with this district on this specific issue. It's, the problem isn't that she's pro-life, it's that she wants politicians making your health care decisions for you and would support a federal abortion ban. Again, go to her website and you can see the legislative priorities that she has co-sponsored, that she has uh, endorsed that would lead to a total ban without exception. Ms. Atkins, let me pick up on that sure. as I rephrase the question for you. The reference to that is the Republican Congressional, the House Blueprint for America, which does support federalizing abortion law. You have said Clearly, you told Dave Helling and I this this past weekend on Four Star Politics, you oppose federalizing abortion law, that it's a matter for the states. But how do you reconcile your support for that uh, plan and agenda with your stand against federalizing abortion law? No, I appreciate you referencing that. Um, I've done at least 15 interviews, if not more, on this topic. Ms. Davids is very deceptive. She literally just said that I stand in opposition, uh, that I would... That, that I would um, vote to ban abortion at the federal level. I've ex said exactly the opposite of that. I believe with the Supreme Court's decision, the Dobbs decision, this is a state level issue. I do believe that decision making needs to happen very close to the people. And, um, and I respect that. The people of Kansas have already spoken on this issue. I've been very firm. I don't think it's a federal issue. I don't support a federal ban. Um, I don't support federal activity, period, in terms of contraception, in terms of fertility treatments. And I just, the last thing I want to say, in the last debate that we had, um, Ms. Davids kept referencing my website. She literally put up a very deceptive, false website paid for by her campaign with false information on this topic. I'm being clear with the voters right now. I am a pro-life candidate. I do not support a congressional ban, and she keeps saying it, and it is not true. The blueprint to save America, though, does support. I have been very clear, John, in my position on this issue. I'm my own leader. Do you still I'm support that leader. plan I, or that? I, I, I can support. I have my own solutions and I can support certain provisions of any plan, but I'm an independent thinker. I may have different opinions on different parts of a plan and I've been Could very I clear on quickly, this Quickly though, if there's a bill that comes to the House and you're elected and it contains a federal ban on abortion, are you a no vote? I'm a no vote. Right. I just said that. I think that I believe in federalism. I believe in states' rights. I think this is a state issue, and I think decision-making ma needs to happen very close to the people. I think it's very personal to a lot of individuals. And I am a proud pro-life candidate, but I firmly believe this is a state-level issue. Ms. Ms. Davis, we'll give you 30 seconds. If you don't mind responding to the allegation that your campaign put up a false website. I don't know what she's talking about with that website. Um, but wow. I will say that here's the thing in july my opponent was celebrating the fall of roe in august she was supporting a constitutional amendment that our state overwhelmingly defeated and in september she signed on endorsed wholeheartedly uh said she wanted to be part of the rsc uh which is the blueprint for america and and now which includes a federal ban and now she's telling us she would be a no vote thank you we so need, it's just like this is 
It is actually incomprehensible to me that we would have a candidate running for Congress who cannot figure out whether or not uh, endorsing a whole legislative plan means that she would all right. Support yeah, each you're of these let, me, let me give a man a 15 seconds. Miss Davids, ahead. I have to say it is shocking to me that you would ask people to go and search for my campaign and your campaign would pay for a false site with the name misleading of your information. What is the name of your website? You AmandaAdkins.com? What is the up, name of your website? You put up and paid for. We've got a screenshot of it. I'll put it out on Twitter when this when this debate is over. Okay, thank you both. On to the next question, Christelle. All right, we've heard both of you talk about health care and <laughs> prescription drug and prices, inflation and health care. Let's have, go to that topic now. In your district, we know that there are many health care disparities, particularly in Wyandotte County. What ideas specifically do you have for addressing these disparities? Begin with Amanda. Starting Amanda. with me. Well, as I noted earlier, I spent more than 15 years of my career working in healthcare, cutting costs, making healthcare more affordable, and focusing on health outcomes. And that and that included a lot of communities, inclusive of Wyandotte County across America, where I worked with at-risk at families um, and various community organizations. Here's what I've seen. If you actually want to get to true outcomes, the most important step that we can take is first to block grant Medicaid dollars to the state level and there's a reason for that because a state better knows what the risks are of its population and can make decisions about the most efficient way to address those needs. The second thing is providers themselves, I'm talking about health systems, I'm talking about doctors, nurses coming together, when they actually choose to create their own health plan it aligns them with people. People, there are three things that matter. People need to have a tight relationship with their primary care physician, they need to plan for health, healthcare needs to be coordinated, and the cost of healthcare needs to be transparent. Where I've seen that across America, I've seen beautiful and brilliant outcomes. Um, so I, I'm, I'm a healthcare candidate, that's what I'm running on. Sharice. Yeah, thank you. Um, look, in addition to just the how overwhelming the public health crisis we're com we are coming out of has been for people. Uh, increasing access to affordable quality health care has been a top priority of mine uh, since I got elected. And, um, you know, I have been a strong uh, supporter of Medicaid expansion, which our, uh, our legislature, Republican-led legislature, actually uh, passed. And then uh, during the time that my opponent was running the uh, GOP, the state uh, Republican Party, uh, she was supporting a governor, Sam Brownback, who vetoed that expansion. 160,000 people don't even have a primary care provider right now because Sam Brownback vetoed Medicaid expansion here. We have got to do better. And my opponent is not going to be the person that does that. Ms. Atkins, I'll give you 30 Ms. seconds. Ms. Davis, if I know anything from having worked in healthcare for all these years, it's that, um, it's that a card doesn't guarantee anything. If we want to change things in healthcare, it happens at the community level. It, needs, it means that money needs to be focused on at the community level. Risks need to be focused on at the community level. If we don't have enough providers, guess what? My, doctor, my daughter is wanting to become a doctor. We need to focus on finding more young people who want to be providers, particularly in primary care and filling those gaps. There are steps that we pragmatically need to take if we want to cut costs and if we want to improve health outcomes. It's not government. Mr. Helen? You just mentioned Sam Brownback, Sharice, and uh, you've talked a lot about uh, Amanda Atkins uh, 
work with the former governor. She's talked a lot about Joe Biden and your 100% voting record. Here's your chance for both of you. What, what, where did you disagree with Joe Biden? And uh, Amanda, where did you disagree with Sam Brownback? I mean, let's clear the air so that independents who have seen these images repeatedly on their television sets can reach some decision as to whether or not you show some independence from your party. Yeah, well, first of all, um, I've had the chance to serve uh, in, with, in the Congress uh, with a Republican president and with a Democratic president. And I've had the chance to work in a bipartisan way during both of those administrations. And at the end of the day, you know, I mean, I can point to a couple of things, whether it's the fact that I would have taken a different approach to the uh, to addressing the student loan crisis that we're in, or that the president... Be, be clear on that. that you, the would you have opposed that forgiveness of those loans? We need to bring down the costs of higher education and get to the core you of the problem. You think that executive order and from the White House was, was uh, unfair or wrong? Well, let me... Actually, let... How about I tell you why that is a problem for me, is we're not getting to the core of the problem, and the planning was poorly executed. Similarly, when we talk about the withdrawal from Afghanistan, which most Americans agree we should have pulled out of that war. The problem is the execution and the planning on it was, uh, was faulty and it led to the deaths of US service members. Yeah. And uh, it was something that I, I actually very much disagreed we'll, with. We'll the come back on. to that. Mandy, you want to talk about where you and Sam sure, Brownback sure. disagreed? Sure, uh, I actually would love to talk about education. Uh, I, having children who are teenagers and who are getting ready to enter the workforce and having hired a lot of people. I'm really passionate about workforce. Um, I'm also passionate about the education system. I think it should be, it is about workforce. It's about preparing uh, young people to be ready for the future. Our country depends on it. Um, as has been noted many times, I proudly served as the chair of the state of Kansas Children's Cabinet. I think one of the things that has um, been misportrayed is that consistently I, along with the other members, did advocate for um, investment in early childhood programs. And at times I did disagree with, with Governor Brown back on it. And I was thankful when Governor Collier actually teamed with me to add another million dollars into the budget, paired up with private investment, so that there was more investment going into early childhood programs. I was so passionate about it uh, that when I left my time as chair of the Children's Cabinet, I made the decision to start a charity to make yet additional investments by business in Wyandotte County so that children could start kindergarten ready. It's deeply and personally important to me. And I want, I want voters to know that. I think um, it's an important part of who I am. Congresswoman? Uh, I'm actually not sure I heard her disagree with anything with Sam Brownback. But since we're talking about the children's cabinet, um, you know, we had a debate not that long ago where she mentioned the work she's done to give three and four year old scholarships to be ready for kindergarten. And I have said consistently, three and four year olds should not have to apply for scholarships so that they can be ready for kindergarten. I am a staunch supporter of early childhood education and making sure that all our kids are able to get access to good education, good public schools. While we're talking education and Student loan debt came up there briefly. Nice yep. transition into yeah, an area we yes. do want to talk about. And that is the student loan role in rising college costs. Mm -hmm. uh, Ms. Atkins, we'll start with you on this round of questions. What's your plan for bringing down college costs? Many people believe the student loan program run by the government is to blame for that. Does the government have a role in student debt and loans? 
or should are there market forces that could work to bring sure. costs down? Uh, let, well, let's start off with uh, my position that Joe Biden's approach to student loan forgiveness is the wrong path. Um, and the reason is, uh, you know, most people, this has been reported in the media significantly, forgiving student loans basically tax on an additional $2,000 to every taxpayer in this country. And for people who didn't go to college or families that paid off their college loans, that's just not, that's not fair, it's not right. Um, I am a big advocate. I think that if you look at the best example of um, helping to prepare kids for the workforce and, and, and getting out into the workforce with low cost, it's Mitch Daniels, who's the retiring president of Purdue. I mean, Mitch Daniels first, step one, he, he froze tuition he worked through Purdue's system to cut the overall cost, just period, of education at Purdue. So that was step one. And that can be done at the state level. Uh, two, he actually offered to the students um, opportunities where they could tie their student loan debt to future income. I think there's got to be great transparency with young people. This is the degree, this is what the degree is going to cost. This is what you are going to be spending on the back end. It's just like financial literacy for our young people. I think it's so important. Ms. Davids? Yeah. Um Look, I, I graduated from Leavenworth High School and got the chance to go to Johnson <laughs> County Community College uh, and UMKC. And, uh, and I think having access to a really strong public education system is part of why I get to stand here today as the representative of the 3rd District of Kansas. Because uh, I had the opportunity to uh, get a great education and it was affordable. Look, Johnson County Community, I'm not sure we have some, the Johnson County Community College is actually a great local example of a school that's trying to make sure that, uh, that it's as affordable as possible, not just for a four-year degree, but for trade schools, for technical education. You know, we need to make things like apprenticeships more accessible to folks. And that's exactly the kind of policies that I've been supporting. I've worked with uh, Kansas City, Kansas Community College, Johnson County Community College. I'm looking forward to working with Ottawa University. And, uh, and I think that uh, at the end of the day, my my opponent's uh, commitment seems to be to getting tax breaks for the wealthiest among us and not trying to figure out how to support our Thank public you. education system. Rebuttal, 30 seconds. Uh, my, my focus, uh, well, first of all, again, as I stated earlier, I think we need significant education and reform in this country. Higher, higher education costs too much. I think most young people would agree. Again, Mitch Daniels is a good example of cutting that cost. I think we need, pe we need to be transparent. When you get a degree, what does it cost? What are you going to make on the back end? Um, student loan debt tied to income, I think, is an important step. This is just pragmatic stuff. Again, I'm talking about real plans and real steps versus Ms. Davis just votes with Joe Biden as a rubber stamp 100% of the time, and I'm not seeing a lot of plans coming from her. Christelle Bell. All right, let's move now. Still on education, but talking about um, K through 12 now. We just saw the report that came out just yesterday, uh, the, nation, the nation's report card that highlights how our students are doing across the nation. They're much lower. Their scores in reading and math lower than pre-pandemic levels. And in, in many cases, um, reading scores going back to the levels of 1992. So at this point, what's the federal government's role in getting our students all across this nation back on track? And we will start with Sharice. Thank you. Uh, yeah, I mean, 
During the darkest days of the pandemic, one of the things I know a lot of schools were struggling with was how do we make sure our kids are learning at the same time that we're keeping the kids and the teachers and the families safe. And it's why I was uh, so glad that we were able to get the relief necessary to our communities, to our state and local governments so that they could get our schools back open in a safe way and get the vaccine out to kids um, and to parents and to teachers. And you know, at the end of the day, the federal government's role is to make sure those resources are available. And, you know, I mean, again, this is an area where, frankly, my opponent just doesn't have any credibility. Whether you talk about her time at the Children's Cabinet, where it had to be a different governor that came in to actually increase the budget, or the times when our public education system, K through 12, had to go down to four day weeks during Sam Brownback's time. And, and my opponent was right there alongside him as his chief advisor during that. All right, Ms. Atkins. Ms. Davids, uh, I will tell you that I, I lived through the pandemic with children in the home. Um, I lived through the pandemic with um, difficult conversations, virtual learning. I can assure you that there are a lot of parents who are listening to you and find your comments insulting to me, as if I don't know from my own experience in my home. Uh, I do think that education is a state level issue. I think that decisions need to be made at a very local level. I think that parents and teachers need to have a close relationship. If I learned anything from all, from all my years with my own children and getting outcomes, it's the importance of that relationship between parents and teachers. And again, as I stated earlier, I just I want to comment, the education system really is about workforce. It's about a continuum. Children starting in the right way, kindergarten readiness, children reading at the right level in fourth grade, uh, so that they can then analyze information. If you don't get through those steps, you're never gonna have kids who are ready for some of the greatest businesses here in the Kansas City community. I'm 100% committed to it, and I have chosen, not only as a parent, but as somebody in this community who cares about those children to spend my personal time to help them. Ms. Atkins, you have mentioned that you feel like this should be a state-based issue. So with that being said, do you think there should even be a Department of Education on the federal level? I think, as I said earlier, um, ed education is a state level issue. You know, I make the commitment to people. The federal government is far too bloated. There's far too much overreach right now. There are too many bills that Ms. Davis has voted for that are a perfect example of that. Um, and you know, our people are best served when the federal government focuses on its responsibilities as enumerated by the Constitution, which is a small set of things. And we allow the states to do the work that is best served close to the people. And healthcare and education would be a very good example of that. Miss Miss Davids, I'll ask you, do you agree um, or give you your rebuttal as well? Yeah, thank you. I'm I'm very concerned that my opponent wouldn't. I'm, I actually haven't thought about Betsy DeVos in a very long time, uh, a person who I it sounds like my opponent uh, is very aligned with, which isn't surprising because she's aligned herself with some of the most extreme people in the current Republican Party. But uh, I'm convinced Betsy DeVos had never stepped foot inside a public uh, a public school until she started trying to dismantle the Department of Education and our public education system in the United States. I can tell you, I absolutely think we should have a Department of Education and the federal government needs to be providing the resources so that we have quality public schools. And the fact that my opponent couldn't say that is, it's, I'm, it's, I'm flabbergasted. Dave? We're about two thirds of the way through the debate. So let's go overseas for a minute, uh, Congresswoman. David's talked a little bit about Afghanistan. I want to focus on Ukraine. The would-be Speaker of the House, uh, Ms. Atkins, as you know, Kevin McCarthy has suggested 
that his caucus, your caucus if you're elected, would oppose any additional uh, military or humanitarian aid for the people in Ukraine. What vote, where, how would you vote on that issue? Starting with me? Uh, well, let me yes, just, let yeah, me I'm just, sorry, yeah, yes. that, no, that's fine. Uh, let me just say that first, when I look at your, Ukraine, uh, the first thing that comes to mind is the failure of the Biden administration. We have had weak foreign policy now for the last couple of years. Uh, the most important thing that I could say is, again, because we have no energy security policy when we look at Ukraine, you know, Biden wanted to get rid of and signal to markets that we were no longer going to focus on domestic oil and gas production. How, how, just and explain I'm coming, to us I'm, coming, you, I'm yeah. coming back around to it, Dave. And then coming back around to it, he, um, and we were then reliant upon Russian oil and gas in 2021, about 8%. So one could make the argument that that, in fact, by the way, has fueled some of the war in Ukraine. Yeah, well, how, how did Joe Nobody Biden, would. though, encourage the Russians to invade Ukraine? I don't I know. No, my point is Joe Biden's weak foreign policy, ultimately, and the oil and gas we were pur purchasing from Russia is money going to Russia that's then being yeah. spent in Ukraine. Last thing, Kevin McCarthy, let me comment on this. Nobody in this country is going to allow Vladimir Putin to march toward Europe, our allies. I just heard from, from Kevin McCarthy, he does not believe that. He just doesn't want a blank check anymore when it comes to the federal government. That's really what it comes down to. Congresswoman, how would you vote on additional aid to Ukraine in 2023 if it comes to the House? Um, you know, first of all, uh, Vladimir Putin's uh, aggressive and unprovoked invasion of Ukraine is absolutely unacceptable. Uh, and it's been heartbreaking to watch the, the civilians that are being uh, dislocated and, and also who have died because of this aggressive action. To hear my opponent um, indicate that it is somehow that anything that Vladimir Putin has done is attributable to uh, any president of the United States is reprehensible. And second, I think the strict sanctions that we have imposed and will continue to impose and the aid that we're sending to Ukraine, uh, both for security and for humanitarian purposes. Uh, I've been proud that we've been able to do that and join alongside our international allies. And, and you would support additional think, aid if it comes and to And I that. think what, we ha what a, a thoughtful, careful leader would do is say, we need to see what the circumstances are at that time. You know, the, the situation with Russia and Ukraine it changes day to day. And uh, to indicate what you would or wouldn't support right now, I think is irresponsible. 30 seconds. 30 seconds, Ms. Atkins. Ms. Davids, many in this country and across the globe believe that we have a weak president with weak policies. You have voted with him 100% of the time and the results are what speak for it. Highest record of inflation in 40 years, botched withdrawal from Afghanistan. Joe Biden has created disaster for this country and you have voted with him continuously. Quick 15 seconds, uh, Representative Yeah, how, I'll, I'll just make sure that everybody knows that uh, the statistic that my opponent likes to share is based on uh, less than 10% of the voice, votes I've taken in this congressional session. And uh, she never seems to mention the 70% of, over 70% of my bills that are bipartisan, that I voted in a bipartisan way for infrastructure investments and for domestic manufacturing. And, uh, you know, I think that she's 
once again continuing to regurgitate Republican talking points. Time's up. Thanks. Thank you. Let's stay on foreign policy, albeit a bit closer to home. We'll start with you, Congresswoman Davids. And that's immigration. Uh, Two-part question really here. Uh, One, is the border secure? And two, everybody talks about we need comprehensive immigration reform. What does that mean? What, What does that mean to you? What specifically would amount to comprehensive immigration reform? But let's start with the secure border. Yes or no? Yeah, thank you. Uh, you're right. I, and I've said that. We need comprehensive bipartisan immigration reform. And uh, a secure border means making sure that we've got investments in things like technologies at the border to make sure we're not only uh, efficient but effective, which is exactly what I've done. I've supported those exact policies. Uh, it's making sure that, um, and then to the bigger question, it's making sure it. We also need to make sure we have secure ports because I know that uh, part of this question comes up because of the devastating impact of uh, fentanyl that's coming uh, across our border, our southern border specifically, but it's also coming through our ports, which is why we need to make sure those technologies are available. We also need to, in the broader point of uh, comprehensive bipartisan immigration reform, we need to make sure that we're keeping our promises. You know, dreamers. Uh, should have a pathway to citizenship. And we also need to make sure that we are treating people humanely and fairly. And you're not going to get that kind of approach from my opponent, who supported the previous president when he was taking children from their families. Yes or no, is the border secure now? I think we, ha- I think we need to continue to make investments to ensure that we are uh, addressing issues that are coming up down there. Thank you. Ms. Atkins. Ms. Davis, I'd really love for you to call out Vice President Harris, who has said that the border is secure, uh, and we know that it's completely a mess. I, I went down to the southern border. I went down there because I routinely and repetitively have heard from law enforcement here in the district that fentanyl, that drugs coming into this community, always, always underlying the crime that we see, is coming straight across the southern border, up I-35 and, and here. Um, I went down there, and what I learned is our border is, in fact, open. The cartels in Mexico are making billions upon billions of dollars in terms of drugs and humans who are smuggled across the border. And in fact, that there is a humanitarian crisis that the media never reports on. It is so incredibly sad. Um, I am for a physical wall in certain locations. My opponent has voted against a physical wall. Um, I am for high-tech surveillance. I saw some of the towers. There are about 200 across the southern border. They're highly effective. Um, I am for investing more in our border agents. My opponent has said publicly that she would defund ICE. And the people down at the southern border had a message for Ms. Davids, and that was, you're spending money in a lot of other areas, and we are left behind. The sheriff down there said, where is the end? I just don't see it. Would DREAMers have a path to citizenship under your immigration reform plan? I commit to people in this district that I will focus on as somebody who's been in business for a very long time, immigration is a workforce issue, and that includes dreamers. I think that we need to have a path for for a lot of people to work in this country. People want to be here, and we have 11 million job openings. We need to have an opinion on where we want to grow, the skills we need, how people obtain those skills, and how we help them to be successful in communities. It is a commitment for me. Dreamers, of course, adults who came as children with their parents. Uh, Ms. Davids, 30 seconds to rebut. Yeah, I think it's really important to just acknowledge that the the bipartisan approach that would be necessary to actually have comprehensive immigration reform is not something that we're going to get from my opponent. She had I have not heard her say anything that would indicate she would be willing to reach across the aisle and work with anybody who isn't one of the most extreme voices in her party, whether it's 
Ted Cruz, who was just here um, making uh, abhorrent comments. Uh, he is one of the key election deniers. Thank you. Time's uh, up. Let's move on. We are moving Crystal. on and talking about gun control and crime right now. A recent poll out that says 64 percent of Americans are concerned about the major crime that's happening in our country. We just saw this week in St. Louis another school shooting with a, a suspected shooter with an AR-15 rifle style gun. Would you on a federal level, starting with you, Ms. Atkins, support an assault weapons ban? Uh, I have had extensive conversations with all of the sheriffs in the 3rd Congressional District on this issue, and I've had them in part because I'm a parent, and I understand the worries of parents. Here's the thing. We're not going to solve for this. We will solve for this issue at a local level, at a community level. And the conversation I've had with the sheriffs is that we need a plan that includes a true partnership between law enforcement, our schools, and also health care. The two biggest problems that we have um, related, related to violence when it comes to guns I mean, the first is in schools, it's critically important. The sheriffs have told me we need to have investment in school resource officers. By the way, in Johnson County, we have quite a few down south. There are some schools that still need them. That would be something I would absolutely support. In addition to that, when it comes to health care, with the schools and with law enforcement, there has to be a strong partnership when it comes to mental health, to detection, to treatment. The vast majority of serious gun crimes underlying it is usually almost always connected to mental health issues in a community and I'm committed to solve for that. But again on a federal level what would you I believe be? I just said I believe that this issue is going to best be solved at a community level so my answer is strong plans within communities that include law enforcement health care and our schools and a critical part of that are mental health resources and school resource officers and that's the conversation I've had with parents as well. Ms. Ms. Davids. Thank you. Um, Well, first of all, nobody should be scared to send their kids to school or to go grocery shopping or uh, to go to a movie theater. Actually, the list is too long for me to, to go through of all the places where we've seen too many lives cut short because, uh, because, we haven't, because it took too long to see meaningful uh, gun safety reform. And I was really proud that uh, just recently, in a bipartisan way, we had uh, the most uh, meaningful gun safety reform uh, pass through the House, the Senate, and be signed by the President. Um, I, you know, my mom was in the Army. I know how to fire weapons. I know how important and powerful they are. And uh, I think that we have we have to make some common sense moves here that are going to keep people safe. And I actually really take issue with the fact that my opponent would. Uh, would try to so closely tie uh, people struggling with mental and behavioral health issues to gun violence. Ms. Atkins, you can rebut. Uh, again, uh, w what I know on this issue is that people first and foremost trust law enforcement. They trust sheriffs, they trust the district attorney, um, the people who are actually seeing violent crime day in, day out. And those are individuals who actually understand what's going on and what is feeding into that violent crime. And as I said earlier, part of my plan at a community level is the two most important things if we want to curb gun violence. It's, it is schools have to have protection. We need to invest, invest in school resource officers. And mental health is critical in this country. And we need to invest more in mental health services to help people. Dave Helling. Congresswoman, people in Kansas, as you know, have already started voting. Early voting is now available to most people in the third district. Do you think those ballots will be freely and fairly counted? Is there a problem with election fraud in our country? And was uh, Joe Biden freely and fairly elected in 2020? Uh, 
so free and fair elections are the basis of our democracy. Um, and uh, I do think that uh, the folks who are casting their ballots right now uh, have nothing to worry about. Look, we have a great election system here in the state of Kansas. Um, and I, uh, yes, I believe that Joe Biden was, uh, was legitimately elected. I'm disappointed that it took my opponent 20 months to publicly acknowledge that uh, he was uh, legitimately elected. I have been disappointed that my opponent continues to align herself with some of the most extreme uh, election deniers uh, nationally and locally. Ted Cruz was just here. Uh, she has aligned herself uh, with Calvin Hayden, who has uh, wasted tons of Johnson County taxpayer dollars on baseless investigations and claims of election fraud. Uh, when we know that we have free and fair elections right here at home, and it makes no sense for her to continue to to support and be supported by someone who claims otherwise. Ms. Adkins? Uh, I have said uh, many times that I do believe that Joe Biden was elected president in this country. I also do strongly believe in our election system here in the state of Kansas. I think Kansas has great election laws. I think we have a good sense, a good set of checks and balances. We know who is voting and that they voted only one time. Uh, the incidence of, of fraud or, and or nefarious activity is very, very low. Um, by contrast, where I really differ with my opponent is I do believe, as the Constitution states, that elections should be run by states. My opponent has voted for legislation at the federal level that would federalize elections, that would do things like put in place a, a national um, election czar, as if the federal government isn't already big enough, um, and would pour public money into campaigns, which I definitely do not support. Again, the federal government is far too big, we're spending far too money, um, and she's voted for it. Congresswoman, 30 seconds. Yeah, I was surprised that my opponent didn't um, at all dismiss or uh, call uh, call out the people that she has aligned herself with who have uh, continued, continued to deny the results of our election. She stood right next to Ted Cruz just recently when she brought him from Texas to Kansas. I'm not sure why no one else wanted Ted Cruz here. Uh, to, to call into question the results of, of the election. And she stood right there next to him. And I just, I continue to be disappointed and uh, concerned at her alignment Thanks. with the most extreme We're voices. We're about out of time. Party. John Holt gets the question. Yeah, one and final question here, if we can, before we do our closing statements. And we'll begin uh, this round with uh, Amanda Adkins. A pretty simple question. Would you support term limits? I've already signed the term limit pledge. I enjoyed my business career before making the, de the decision to run for office. Um, I'm proud of the work that I did. I think that um, my work in business and healthcare would be very valuable in Congress. Um, and I, but I don't seek to go and serve there forever. And as such, I sign the term limits pre pledge 100%. Well, just quickly, six years? Eight, what is that? It's a, it's a six, it's a six, six years, years, three, three terms. terms in the House. Yeah. Yeah, that's Congresswoman, correct. do you support term limits? You're seeking your third. This would be your final if that were the case. Yeah. Um, you know, I have actually, I think that our elections are the, uh, the mechanism by which we decide whether or not someone should continue to serve um, in their capacity. And when we have free and fair elections and uh, we have people participating uh, in our electoral process, uh, then we get to select who we're going to send. Um, you know, I mean, I have 
look, I'll share this. I have asked my brother, who's younger than me, uh, to, to make sure that I don't stick around uh, in, in the house for too long. And, um, uh, but look, I think, I think the election process is how we do that. Uh, I'm, I have been um, disappointed that uh, sometimes, again, my opponent has aligned herself with people who would call those free and fair elections into question. But I do think that we, uh, we have a process to make sure that we've got the people uh, representing us that we want representing us. All right, I think we've got time now for our closing statements by coin flip. Amanda Adkins will begin with a 30 second closing argument, if you will. Thank you, I would, I would end where I started, which is to say to the people in this district, to ask you one question, and that is, are you better off today? We know that you're not. Record levels of inflation, an $8,700 hit. Now interest rates are going up. People are scared. They're scared about the future. They're looking forward toward a recession. I'm a problem solver. I come to this race with significant experience in business and in healthcare. I've focused on results in so many areas in both business um, and in community work for at-risk kids and families. I'm Amanda Adkins, and I ask for your vote. Congresswoman Davids. Yeah. I mean, we've been through a lot over this last uh, few years, but we are absolutely working together and, and moving forward. And it's that commitment to working together regardless of party that's produced results like Panasonic choosing us over every other district in the country or, uh, you know, federal billions of federal dollars coming to invest in infrastructure projects right here at home. And you're not going to get a bipartisan approach from my opponent. She continues to align herself with extremists who want a total abortion ban without exception, would decimate Social Security and Medicare. And I'm here to work for you, and I would be honored to have your vote. Can I, can I put in something like, this is American music, take one, one, two, three, four. Do you like American music? I like American music Don't you like American music, baby?
Morning Show.